beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. We recorded this episode working off the idea of rewriting your life when the first draft didn't work out. We're all writers here in this conversation. This analogy appealed to all three of us. But the more we talked and then listening back after we recorded, I realized that what we're really talking about isn't a new draft. There are no life do-overs, are there? Instead, we're talking about creating your own plot twist, forcing a change in location, in relationships, in ourselves. So even though we pretty much mix these metaphors throughout our conversation together, I think you'll track fine with what Roxy Stone, Caitlin Beatty, and I are talking about here. This episode came about, actually, after I was a guest on Roxy and Caitlin's show for Religion News Service. They have a show called Saved by the City. Back in August, I joined Roxy to talk through how moving to Los Angeles 20 years ago has changed me. I actually love talking about Los Angeles, and I love talking to Roxy, so go check out that conversation on Saved by the City when you get a chance. I will link to it in the show notes. Roxy Stone and I have known each other for almost a decade now. We met 
on a writer's trip to Sri Lanka back when I was a blogger and she was a journalist. And that Sri Lanka trip is actually something that I wrote about at length in my book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, in the chapter that I called, When Did It Change? Because in the back of a van on the dusty roads of a foreign country, I experienced some of the most profound conversations of my entire life. Those of us on that trip, we also had a mini reunion last year that we recorded for my Secret Tapes interviews. So you might be familiar with Roxy from that whole story. Roxy Stone is now the managing editor for Religion News Service, and she is one of the hosts of the Saved by the City podcast. Her co-host is Caitlin Beatty, the first female and the youngest managing editor for Christianity Today. She's now an author and a speaker, and of course, she is a co-host of Saved by the City. Roxy and Caitlin are both single women living in New York City, and we talk a lot about how they both purposefully chose this current chapter of their lives, and why. I think you'll find this episode refreshing and inspiring. Roxy and Caitlin, welcome to 10 Things to Tell You. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. I'm so excited about this conversation. I've never really had a conversation like this on the show, so I think this is going to be very fun, what we're going to get to. But before we get all the way in, our kind of big main topic. I would love it if you would each introduce yourself to the listeners. And then also, I want to hear a little bit about your show. But first, why don't you just tell me a little bit about who you are? Roxy, why don't you start? Yeah, well, I'm Roxy Stone, and I've known Laura for almost a decade. So this is a lot of fun. And I am in journalism. I'm the editor at Religion News Service, which just means I get to read a lot about all kinds of different religions and the way that they intersect with various aspects of society from politics to entertainment to how people meditate or what they do when they go to their houses of worship, that kind of thing. So it's mostly a lot of fun and sometimes really stressful. Yeah. You've had a really cool career actually, but I like, I like this for you. It feels like a good fit. Yeah, that's true. It's been, it's been a little bit of a winding road, but I'm very happy to be where I am. We're going to talk about that winding road in a second. (laughs) Caitlin, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to us. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. I'm Caitlin Beatty and like Roxy, I have also had a winding (laughs) circuitous career first started in magazine publishing Um, have written a book. I'm working on a second book and I'm now an acquisitions editor with a book publisher based in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but I work remotely from New York and I'm coming up on three years in the city. And that's obviously something that Roxy and I, Roxy being a fellow New Yorker, talk about and think about a lot as women who heard that maybe New York was not a great place for us to live, but I'm very happy to be here. So together, because of those reasons, you started a show called Saved by the City. Tell me a little bit about like the origins of this show, why you guys wanted to to start that and talk on these topics, and then kind of what you're covering over there. It really just was an idea that felt like, you know, New York is this is iconic, right? And it's iconic for so many different reasons. And a lot of us in, who grew up 
in the States, probably a lot of people who grew up all over the world, like watched the movies that were set in New York and read the books that were set in New York. And just New York becomes this sort of character in so many stories. And so I think it was such a big deal to move here. And I, Caitlin and I both moved here in our thirties. So it was a little bit of a start over for both of us. In a lot of ways, we knew that people would, people would resonate both with that, but also sort of have that, like that imagination of what is it like to live in New York? Everybody, it's a mystery to a lot of people and people, you know, obviously enjoy those stories. And we thought, you know, it's sort of the quintessential story of I'm from a small town. Caitlin's from the Midwest, like coming to New York and what's it like to live here, to be single here, to be, um, both of us come from Christian religious backgrounds. So what is it like to try to navigate that in a city that can sometimes be hostile to faith, but also we really wanted to have fun. And that's a thing that we do to varying degrees of success. Cause I think we're both pretty serious people, but we wanted the show <laughs> to come across as like, yeah, we're, we're having a good time while we're doing all of this too. And we're not taking it all too seriously. Yeah. I think one thing that New York has done for both of us and forgive me if I'm misspeaking for you, Roxy, but that it's expanded our worldview and it's kind of created an openness. And so I think Mm -hmm. part of what we're trying to do with the podcast is to model an openness to hearing from and interacting with people from really different backgrounds. I think probably in the past we, we could presume that most of our neighbors thought like us and acted like us and believed the same things. And it's been energizing to interact with people who are from really different backgrounds and with a posture of what can we learn from people who are really different from us. And I hope that our podcast is doing that well and modeling that well for listeners. I relate so much to the city expanding your worldview Mm -hmm. and even if you didn't seek that out, seeking out the adventure of moving to New York, because I Mm -hmm. absolutely sought out the adventure of moving to Los Angeles and growing up in Oklahoma. Those were my two options of like, how can you change up your life? Like the quickest, like how can you just upend your life the quickest? And it was moved (laughs) to New York or LA and Mm -hmm. (laughs) New York was way too scary for me and intimidating for me. I couldn't even figure out, like, I don't even know how I would get around. I mean, even to this day, I'm intimidated by New York. Los Angeles felt a little more friendly and I was 22 when I did this. And so Mm -hmm. off to Los Angeles, I came, but I just really related to that, like that adventure and also that need to rewrite the first draft. I was younger So it wasn't so much a rewrite, but it was like, I need, this story needs to take a twist. Uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you both like did this in your thirties and it, it did feel like, or you are sort of explaining it as a rewrite or maybe as a twist. I don't know. You tell me like what Mm -hmm. about your life, like what made you do this at that stage? Like make this big move expand your worldview after years of both of you, like writing and working and in a certain industry, in a certain maybe thought. And then now you're doing something totally different. Like what's, why Mm -hmm. can you each tell, I know you have different stories. So let's each tell why Caitlin, what's your story a little bit? I mean, honestly, the first word that comes to mind is boredom. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the Midwest, went to college in the Midwest and worked for a magazine in the Midwest for like over a decade. And at some point I just was like, well, I can 
stay here and be close to family and kind of, I kind of know how this is going to unfold. I'm comfortable or I can really shake things up and do something uncomfortable. And I love New York. And also it can be a very uncomfortable place to live. It's loud. It's expensive. I'm still intimidated by the subway system. It can be really lonely. I think I gravitated to the challenge because I'd rather have the challenge than the boredom. Not everybody in my life understands that, but also I felt like I had some freedom as a single person to like, I I don't know how, you know, the idea of like raising a family in a city is a whole other ball game. But I felt like I have the freedom. I have the financial security. Why not? Like when else are you going to do this? You know? And so it's been a challenge. It's been a good challenge. It's mostly paid off you know, the pandemic put a twist in everything, but I'd rather, I think at the end of the day, I wanted a twist rather than something predictable in the Midwest. You talked about this on one of the episodes of your show, and you actually just kind of alluded to maybe your friends and family, not completely understanding this change, but did people caution you against moving to the big city and like the cautions that they're going to give a 30 something year old woman is different than the cautions that they gave like a 22 year old who never paid her own rent. I mean, frankly, those are like a different, those are different risk factors, but did you feel like people in your life were like, I don't, I don't know if I see this for you. I don't think I, I didn't have anybody say you shouldn't do this or, you know, this will be universally bad. I have had people caution about the spiritual dangers of the city. Like what will it be like to be in such a materialistic place or hedonistic or a place where some of your neighbors are like hostile to faith. And I think I understand those concerns, but also I have found them to be largely unfounded. I think A lot of impressions of cities, including New York City and LA, I'm sure as well, are sometimes from people who are interpreting things through like a media, like a a mainstream media lens, through news stories. They see there's been like a terrible event (laughs) in Brooklyn, like there's a shooting in Brooklyn and my mom texts me and asks if I'm okay. And I'm like, there are 2 million people in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think a lot of those cautions are based more in outside perceptions than inside lived experience. Yes. So I so agree with that with Los Angeles. I mean, look, stereotypes and stereotypes of Los Angeles even are like there for a reason they're rooted Mm in, in something that's there, but a lot of the people who even to this day, I've lived here 20 years, the people who meet me with disdain on the fact that I live in California or especially in Los Angeles, it's absolutely like they've never been here. They've Mm -hmm. literally never been here and Mm -hmm. let alone lived here. And so it's stereotypes are real. I'm not like, I can't, there's a lot of things I can't overly defend about California or Los Angeles, but there's also, like you said, so much that is unfounded. And a lot of it is based in like a fear a fear of other, or like a fear of, of drowning in a, in a place this big kind of thing, instead of swimming, if you will. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. 
Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Roxy, I want to hear your story. Which, and may I just interrupt before you start? I'm not even interrupting. I'm just cutting you (laughs) off. I know your story mm-hmm. because I was there for what I'm just going to deem a very crucial moment of your Indeed. story. I wrote about this in my book, not you particularly, but I wrote about this trip to Sri Lanka that we took in 2012. And the trip is, you know, a whole a whole thing. But anyway, yeah. we were in a van together for eight days for you know, hours and hours on end. And the Mm -hmm. group of us that were in this van together, we started off like surface positive faces. And then, you know, days into our time in a van in Sri Lanka, we all just broke apart like soggy sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we had not met before that trip. And on that trip, I witnessed like you having almost kind of a major life breakthrough, if you will. And then we have stayed dear friends since then. And so I just, I needed to like insert myself into your story before you told it. So go ahead. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. You're a witness to that breakthrough 
breakdown, whatever you want to call it. It was a little bit of both. And in fact, kind of prompted some of that. I was in the middle of, before going to Sri Lanka, in the middle of, I had been married for quite a while. And my ex-husband now had kind of out of the blue, wanted a divorce. (laughs) We'll just put it bluntly. And that was really hard. And that had happened about a year before we went on that trip. And we'd been separated for about six months. And then he'd kind of come back and agreed to give it a shot and try. Yeah. I think that had been about six months of that when we went to Sri Lanka. And I, I think in a lot of ways going into that trip, I just imagined I would go into it as a married woman of 10 years who would, that's all that I would really say or talk about, or that I wouldn't get into like the nightmare that had been the last year. But you know, after three or four days of being in that van and a lot of other people really sharing a lot, in particular, someone on the trip who'd gone through something kind of similar. It wasn't just that I suddenly felt comfortable sharing those things. It was that I realized I wasn't okay. And that in a lot of ways I had been not only putting on a brave face for everyone else, but for myself too. And had been telling myself that if, if he was back and he was trying that that was good, that was all that we needed. And, you know, that it's been 10 years since that trip. So I can't remember like exactly the details of what you in particular said, but there was something that you said that that was basically to the point of, okay, that's, you know, that's what you're telling us that you want. And that's what you're telling us that is the good and the best thing for your marriage. He's back, whatever. But then you said something along the lines of like, but what, what is it that you really want? Like, what is it that you need or deserve. I don't even remember exactly how you put it, but it was that it was a framing of like, this isn't just about what he's going to do in your marriage. This is also about what you are going to do and what you want and what you need. And I think up until that point, I, I had just felt like I'm just going to follow his move on this. And if that's toward me, then great. And, but I had not in any way really, really reckoned with how much that betrayal that leaving had really shaken me and had changed my level of trust, my ability to love, my ability to feel safe in the marriage, like all of those things. So when I came back from Sri Lanka, it was really the next six months were really, really like a stripping down for me. And it really was after that trip. And then another trip that I went on a couple, like a month later, another kind of reporting trip. Um, But both of those were times like away. And yeah, it, it, it prompted a whole season of a lot of, of personal soul searching, not just waiting to see what he was going to do. And I think that was best for both of us. And ultimately, about a year later after that trip, we did get divorced. But I do feel like as hard as that was and as awful as that was, you know, we were able to part in such a way that I think honored both of us and that ended up being much more amicable and even a different kind of separation, I think that it would have been if I had just let him go through all of that and make his Mm -hmm. own decisions. And so that was really, wait, let me say this. Yeah. First of all, I'm sure I was very profound in the back of that van. You were, you (laughs) absolutely were. Yeah. (laughs) No, but, but seriously, because we talk about that trip and I've other instances in my life, and you just mentioned another one in your life that the theme to that is getting outside of your own space, like li- like literally yeah. getting outside of it. Like, yeah. I feel like when I travel, mm-hmm. when I'm on a trip, when I 
go stay at another friend's house. I mean, whatever it is, like just getting out of my own space and bubble and world is when I feel like you often have these revelations. And honestly, we're not going to talk a ton about the pandemic today necessarily, but like, I feel like in some ways, not that the pandemic hasn't brought its own revelations, but it robbed us of the chance to get out of our own space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I've been in this dadgum house for 18 months. I mean, not really (laughs) because I have moved about a little bit, but like it, that's a really core thing that I think we can get stuck. We can get in our ruts. We cannot have the perspective of, oh, what do I actually want? I've just Mm -hmm. been walking this path of what I should want or what someone else wants. And you have to like truly change up your scenery to realize it or to have someone else point it out to you or to, or Mm -hmm. to be in a space to see it yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think that even being with other people who are not also invested in your life in the same way, like they were strangers before that trip, you know, not only getting outside of your physical space, but also getting outside of your community and the sort of embedded perspectives that they, that everyone, you know, has and instead getting like some kind of a, maybe not objective, but have a perspective that is new. Well, we weren't objective, but we didn't care about him. (laughs) Actually, there you go. See being profound. Exactly. I mean, that was, I mean, we only cared about you. Like even, even three days in, we only cared about you and what was Mm -hmm. best for you. And it's, I hope that he has people in his life that cares about him, but that's not what that was. You know what I mean? Sometimes you need someone to just look at only you and care Mm. only about you and not like the big picture and not the other person. And then that's like a very unusual experience that you don't even get to have in adulthood very often, by the way, that's like a thing that happens in youth group or like on the choir trip or whatever, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not like something that happens in adulthood that often, which was another thing that was sort of special about adults being in a van in a, you know, (laughs) developing country. That was like a whole, it's a whole other thing, but wait, you you didn't finish your story, finish your story about, because that was 10 years ago. So then what what happened? About a year later, I decided to move to New York when the divorce was final. I was in, I was living in Orlando and I no longer was working at the job that had taken me to Orlando. I was working in a remote capacity and doing a lot of freelance. And I, I was no longer tied to a place, not by a job. And a lot of my friends had left. And also I was not married anymore. And so it really was time to start writing something new. And a lot of what Caitlin said was true for me too. I felt like I could exactly see what life would look like in some ways, not exactly, exactly. Cause I had just had this whole wrench thrown into my life, but I still knew like the contours of what life in a sort of midsize city looks like. And I knew who I was in that space. And I knew what ruts I could get into in those spaces. And I, I had just always wanted kind of, as you said, I'd kind of always imagined LA or New York. And I was like, you know what? This is it. Like, this is the time. And I had, I had no reason not to do it. And I was traveling to New York a lot at the time for work projects that I was part of and was feeling more comfortable there and feeling more like, oh, people actually live here. And went to somebody like went and saw someone's apartment for the first time in New York. And I was like, oh, okay, I could do this. And so, yeah, it was really just, I knew I wanted to leave Orlando and I thought, where in the world would I go? That wasn't just like back home to Colorado and New York was the dream. 
I wonder for anyone listening to this, who's thinking that they also want to have a plot twist or, mm-hmm. you know, a rewrite and they're, maybe they are, are not able to, to do something so dramatic as move to a big city, an, another big city. But like, did you feel like in the mental or emotional process of making this big life change, did you have to mourn your old life or your old self? Or did it just feel like forward motion? Because for some people, by the way, this wouldn't always be, well, and Roxy, partly your life, like it's not always a welcome choice. It's not always Mm -hmm. like, yay, adventure. Sometimes it was chosen for you, but now you're ready to take control of the narrative. So I guess, you know, there's sort of a lot wrapped in what I'm saying, but was there a process where you felt like, okay, this is a part two, this is a new chapter. What do you do with the old chapters? Caitlin, I think I, by the time that I decided to move to New York, I had already been mourning the absence of a life I thought I would have by that point. I just had it in my mind. Like I will be married with children by age 30 because 30 is old. Ha ha ha. That was so naive of me. That's, that's actually a benefit of moving to a big city is like, you kind of, you like get younger anyway. It's true. That is true. Yeah, I think I had already been in the process of mourning that I didn't have certain things in place that I thought were really crucial to a sense of identity, especially as a woman, especially as a Christian woman. And honestly, I think one of the things that leaving allowed me to do was to not just live in a state of perpetual mourning or a Mm -hmm. state of feeling like, I'm very aware of the things that I lack because it feels like everyone around me has the things that I lack. There's so much diversity in a big city and there's so many different types of diversity. And one of the types is like, people just have different, they're in different life stages. There's no like one way to live a good human life. Not everybody's married with kids. And of course, not everybody in the suburbs of Chicago is married with kids, but certainly like statistically, it's more of the norm. And you get images of what it could look like to live like a full vibrant life, regardless Mm -hmm. of your marital status. And I, I just don't think I had that imaginative space where I was. And I was hoping that moving to New York would give me more imaginative space. And So I feel like in that way, New York was really crucial to get me out of a space of mourning. Oh, that's so good. That's so fascinating. This is so my jam. Is this not so my jam? Every week, StoryWorth emails a different story prompt, questions that you may not have thought to ask before. Questions like, what is the strangest thing that's ever happened to you? Or what's a small decision that's made the biggest impact on your life? This is a meaningful way to record your loved one's stories in their own words. After one year, StoryWorth will compile every story, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. There's an option to order multiple copies for your siblings, children, or any other family members who would love this gift. I love the gift of StoryWorth because it's the best kind of sharing. You get to connect with your mom, your dad, your grandparents, and at the end of the year, all the stories come together in a gorgeous book. The memories are there forever for you to look back on and enjoy whenever you want. StoryWorth is the gift that you and your family can treasure for a lifetime. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com you. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. 
That's story, S-T-O-R-Y, worth, W-O-R-T-H, dot com slash U, Y-O-U, for $10 off. Storyworth.com slash U. We're all writers here. And we're like making this writing metaphor continually. I mean, I'm mixing it with some water metaphors, but I think we're tracking. Yes, we follow. Did you literally write through these changes? And I'm asking that because, I mean, you could have done this a hundred different ways. You could have posted, you know, documented this on social media. You could have written articles. I mean, you know, you're both like, literally professionals here what was this something that you wrote through even journaling like I'm just curious how people Mm -hmm. process it I guess or share it because some of it is you know observed by the outside well I take it that we're all journalers I I don't know if that's true of you Laura but I'm just imagining that all of us journal (laughs) and certainly I started to write out this decision that I had to make and something in the writing of it made it feel more real, you know, and more possible. Yes. I'm glad you said that because that's even why I'm asking this because, you know, most of the people listening to this are not professional writers, you know, but Uh everybody can journal. And I think there is a power in, in journaling it for yourself Mm -hmm. or sharing it on social media. If that's your jam as a, as a way to process it or to like, say, I am here, I am doing this. It's like an accountability thing. If you want to do something scary, if you're into sharing on the internet, I know not everyone is, but everyone can journal. And like you said, sort of see when you see it on the page, feel the magic of it or not mm-hmm. like write it and then be like, no, that doesn't feel right. Or mm-hmm. write it and then be like, oh no, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, like have that moment. Roxy, you're mm-hmm. smiling at me. <laughs> well, I, I remembered this and this is my, this is like the first page of my, of this particular journal. And, um, I wrote it like two months after moving to New York and I wrote, I'm not sure I will ever write anything beautiful in New York. I may live a beautiful life here, an exciting life, but I will never have time to write about it. <laughs> and I do feel like that was a little bit like New York was like, especially at the beginning, it was just like drinking from a fire hose kind of thing. Like you just, Mm -hmm. it was so busy. All of a sudden it was like this sparkling, exciting life and it was overwhelming. And I was like, every night I had something to do. And I was like, I'm going to suck the marrow out of this city, you know? And I remember having a moment five or six months into moving into New York. And it was like a Tuesday evening and I was home and I started to panic. And I was like, Oh no, I'm not cool anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my edge. I'm home on a Tuesday night. And then I just sort of like laughed at myself and I was like, okay, most of the people in the world are home on Tuesday nights. It's really okay. So mm-hmm. I think part of moving to New York was I just threw myself into it for a while. And part of that was maybe my own getting over the grieving and the morning and like just the really hard, hard, heavy life that I'd been living for like two and a half, three years at that point. So it took me a little while to settle down and be thoughtful about my life again and start writing about it. And sometimes that took the form of journaling. I'm not as much of a journaler as I wish I was. Often it, it took more of the form of, I'm, I love to write poetry. So a lot of poetry, occasionally just like notes in my phone, that kind of thing. But. I wish you had shared more of it on social. 
I know I'm not good at it. I know you're not. And I don't expect everyone to be good at it. And I'm, I'm only saying that friend to friend, but also as when I know people in my life who are making big life changes or going through something or whatever, Mm -hmm. I want to know how that's going. And I, I mean, I guess we should, we could reach out to one another (laughs) one-on-one. Is that another way to do friendship? I don't know. No, but like I, sometimes you just want to passively follow someone's big Mm -hmm. adventure, if you will. And so I, I, I like it when people do share like that they've made this big life change and here, here's how it's going. That's actually good to know. Cause I do feel like, Oh, that's TMI. Nobody cares Mm. that much. (laughs) I think social, maybe sharing on social feels scary because you feel like once it's out there, it's real. Mm. Like if I say it to other people or I share it with other people, then it's, and what if I fail? Like, what if I get here and I present like a very glowy, shiny life. And then I have to leave a year mm. later because I don't know, I spent all my money on eating out too much or something. <laughs> then other people could reflect back to me that I failed, or there's just a temptation to give everything a positive spin. Like the first two months I was in New York, I was totally disoriented and overwhelmed. Like I felt like really unsettled Mm -hmm. and like I hadn't found a rhythm yet. And I didn't want to talk about it because I feel like, well, I don't want other people to think that I've made like a really bad decision. And that eventually like the spring came and I sold my car and I made friends and it was great. But it just, I think when you're in a season of transition, it can feel hard to know what to say because you're still processing it too. And you don't want to look like you potentially failed later. This, this feels like a very Enneagram three thing to say now that I'm saying it out loud, but there it is. No, I think real time sharing is super hard for people. Super. Mm -hmm. I mean, even me and I like wrote a book about sharing. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to share in real time. It is so much easier to share a success or a failure. Even if it was a failure, if you, something went awry or whatever to then say, well, this didn't work out. And here's the bullet points. Why, you know, to kind of package Mm -hmm. it versus Mm -hmm. to like, do it as you're falling. (laughs) I mean, that's so much harder to say I'm struggling today. I'm still struggling Mm -hmm. today. Three weeks later, things are still hard. Everybody like that Mm -hmm. feels yeah. all all of the ways who wants to even remotely do that. So like, I, I get it. And also, if you were to only share a happy version of what a, new, a move to New York City looks like, that's not realistic either, because it's, of mm-hmm. course, it's going to be challenging in like a thousand ways that people can't even anticipate. So I just like to follow people who are doing things. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do. I like to follow it, even if I can understand intellectually that it's somewhat packaged or polished mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, I don't know. I like it. I wonder if you're, if you were both in your 30s. I keep likening this to my own big move, which was, is quite different, but were you seeking reinvention and did you get it? Mm. I was for sure. I was, I mean, I needed to, I, I needed to find who I was on my own because I had gotten married quite young. I mean, I was 20 when I got married and so much of my adult formation had been done as a pair and with someone else. And that was part of why I wanted to move to a place I'd never lived because mm-hmm. I didn't want to keep doing it the same way that I'd been doing it just without another person. And so absolutely. I wanted to reinvent. I think I wanted to test my metal, which was like 
New York, you know, I wanted to be prompted and pushed and poked a lot into having to be intentional, even in the sense that in New York, as you alluded to, like you, you have to reinvent how you get groceries, how you travel. Mm -hmm. It's, it's all different in New York. Um, Everything's a struggle. It is. It, it is. Unless you so have you gobs of money yes. where you can just pay people to deliver things to you. But that is not true of either of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I, but I actually welcomed that. And in retrospect, I can see some of the, the little bit of like masochism in that, that I was even at in the moment of like, I wanted to hurt in some ways. And I can't totally put myself back in that place. Cause right now I'm like, why is it so hard to do my laundry? Why would anybody live this way? But it was a total reinvention and I welcomed it. Um, I welcomed the chance to, to stretch and to find out who I was in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the thought I want to reinvent myself. It was more, I mean, similar to what Roxy's been describing. I wanted to see the kind of person I would become under pressure. (laughs) Like what will this big city do to me and how will it shape me and change me in ways that I didn't expect? And I think I am glad that I moved here in my thirties because I felt like I came in having a pretty solid sense of self. I think if I were younger, I might've felt a little bit more thrown by the city. So I felt like I came in with a pretty solid grounding, but for sure living here has changed me some in some ways that I expected and in other ways I didn't expect. And that feels scary, but also necessary for growing as a person and just realizing, oh, you continue to grow. It's not like, well, Mm -hmm. whoever you are when you're 30 is that's you're locked in for life. Like you continue to change no matter where you live. You don't have to live in New York or LA or make a big move to keep growing and changing. I just felt like I, where I had lived previously, I felt like, I think I've kind of maybe tapped out this place for this season, you know, then that's maybe that's presumptuous to assume that I wouldn't have continued growing, but I knew that moving to New York would like force a growth spurt. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's super important for women, for anyone to recognize I've tapped out here. Now it might not be a location, might be a Mm -hmm. job. Like you're like, Mm -hmm. I've gone as far as I can go here. It might be Mm -hmm. a relationship, whatever it is. And I'm sort of in the process of that with myself right now of like, have Mm -hmm. I taken this particular road as far as it can go? And Mm -hmm. I think if we're able to acknowledge that, even if there's some ego tied up in into it, or even if it's not even real, what we're thinking, but it's real for us because you're right. Mm -hmm. Of course, anyone can continue to grow in Chicago, but like for you, Mm -hmm. something needed that needed a change up, needed some kind of something else, a change of scenery, a challenge, like you said. Mm -hmm. Now I moved to Los Angeles and dyed my hair black. I mean, I I did the whole thing y'all. Like I was like, (laughs) I I'm a new person now. You Mm -hmm. guys don't even know me. Like that's how I approached it, which was (laughs) you know, immature and kind of funny now, but also a hundred percent effective, absolutely worked. Like I was able to like circle back and, and become who I am, you know, like get back to the core of who I am. But I sort of needed that. Like mm-hmm. I needed the path of like being like, I'm a different person now before I could like work my way back. 
to mm-hmm. myself, you know, but now I have to ask the obvious question because Roxy, you said it, but like, why do you continue to choose New York? It's a hard city to live in. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good, it's a good question that every New Yorker asks who moved here, especially asks themselves at least once a year. You know, I moved here, I was here for three years and then I left and moved to California. Another story for another time. And then I moved back here again. So in some ways I've chosen it twice now. And I think that second time choosing it was a real choice because I, it wasn't like an, I want to disrupt my life. I want to do the hardest thing I can imagine. I want to make the biggest change I can imagine. It was a choice of like, well, where, where do I feel at home? And Colorado, which is, which is literally like where I grew up and my parents are. So in that way, it feels like home. That was an option. But in the end, New York felt like adult home and it felt like as you get older ends up being such a massive factor in your life. It's where my friends were. It's where the concentration of community I had. I have friends all over the country, but I had the most concentration of friends in New York and Nashville. And I just, I I had ever since I'd left, I'd longed to be back, even though it is hard. I would someday love to have an apartment with a dishwasher and a washer and dryer in it. But I'd like that apartment to be in New York. You know, I mean, it Mm -hmm. feels, feels like I have not tapped out of New York, even though it's uncomfortable to live in at times. I still, I still appreciate that discomfort. And I still feel like that discomfort is spurring growth and spurring me to, yeah, to keep stretching and to keep becoming a person that I still want to become. Caitlin, why do you choose it? When I think about other places I would potentially move to, I can't think of any other place that I would want to live more than New York. And just recognizing that the challenges around getting groceries and laundry and finances, like all of that would be replaced with other challenges in other places. Maybe the challenges would be different. I'm sure I could afford an apartment with like (laughs) and in, in unit law washer and dryer someplace else. And I try not to think about that. You know, like I try not to go on Zillow and look at how much monthly rent would get me someplace else, but yeah, the challenges here would be replaced by other challenges. And I'd rather have the challenges here that the challenges that New York presents. Also, I feel like we've talked a lot about how hard it is to live here, but it's also such a beautiful place Mm -hmm. and it's not uncommon for me to just even walk around my neighborhood and feel like this is, this is so beautiful to still be in awe of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like as long as I'm experiencing awe and wonder, there's something here for me. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. I feel that way about Los Angeles every, you know, a few times a week I'll drive down a street or, or something and think, I can't believe I live here. Mm -hmm. And it's been 20 years and I still have those thoughts completely on a regular basis. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five 
thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook, as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax, but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. So that's a great one. I also, of course, would just say the first one I think is great because it's a good intro to New York and the guest on that one, Dr. Lakeisha Walrand is a lot of fun. And she, um, moved to New York from Texas, uh, and has some great stories there. Um, and if you, uh, like to hear about how hard dating is in New York city, you can listen to our episode on dating apps because why wouldn't you want to know about the, uh, seventh circle of hell that dating can be <laughs> in the dating app. <laughs> yes. We didn't we have stories. We, we didn't even talk about the fact that you're both single and how that can play into a decision to really change up your life. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Caitlin talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but then also like your ability to reinvent, not just the move part, but mm-hmm. just uh, being free from a partners or uh, holding you in. And I don't want that to be a terrible picture of marriage because I don't, you know, it's not that marriage holds you in, but you know what I'm saying? What do you think that your singleness, like, how is that relevant besides logistically? How is that relevant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is different. It's almost logistical, but there's just something about, this is such a I feel like every Saturday is kind of a microcosm of it. Cause it's like, you wake up in the morning and it's like, what do I do with my day? And it's really purely and entirely up to me what I'm going to do with my day. And sometimes I like that. And sometimes I'm like, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to have someone else introduce me to a hobby that they love or be like, I've just been really excited to go to this museum or do this. You know, I think there's that there's a push and pull of that, of singleness feeling freeing and also singleness feeling like, a lot of pressure, both in terms of how you define your life, but also, you know, even in terms of financial logistics or hanging something that really should require two people. (laughs) And so you have to get a task rapid, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. there's things like that. And New York is a hard city to be single in because of in part the financial pressures, but it's also a really fun city to be single in because there are a lot of other single people and of all different ages and different lifestyles. And, as Caitlin mm-hmm. said earlier, there's a way to imagine a really full life that has vitality and energy and friendship and community and hobbies and all of these things. New York has that to offer and you can see mm-hmm. other people doing it and you can be friends with other people who are doing it and they don't have to be 15 years younger than you. And there's just so many opportunities to enjoy yourself without having to have a partner to do that with. New York is the first place that I've lived where I didn't feel weird about eating out alone. Mm. When I lived in the Chicago suburbs, of course, I would sometimes go go out to dinner by myself. And this could have been a projection. I am sure it was on some level, but I always felt like the host was like, oh, really? Just one? (laughs) Like no one cares in New York. You could go to a diner by yourself at midnight and 
you know, have a huge matzo ball soup and nobody cares. You could, I mean, no one cares. I just love that. It's not a thing to be eating by yourself. I love that about big cities. Los Angeles mm-hmm. is the same. I eat by myself no matter where I am because I like to read while I eat. But what I like about it in general is that nobody cares. Like I could walk down the street in a Barney costume and Los Angeles, I, only <laughs> tourists would take pictures or like even mm-hmm. notice everyone else. Like, nobody cares what you're doing. And when I moved here and what I even some, sometimes really still appeals to me is the anonymity of that. Like I want mm-hmm. to be able to try a weird outfit or eating by myself or whatever I want to try without so many eyes on me. And it's weird because this is our, these are huge populations we're talking about. There are like literally more eyes on you, Yes, but nobody cares. And that was, mm-hmm. that remains like such freedom to me versus mm-hmm. like having to put lipstick on to go to Walmart, mm-hmm. which is how my <laughs> hometown was. You know what I mean? I was like, well, I'm going to see somebody I know. I have mm-hmm. never gone into town and not seen somebody I know, which on a community level is comforting because you can feel very right. lonely in a big city where mm-hmm. nobody cares. You know, I mean, it's both. It is. But yeah. The double-edged sword of the loneliness is also anonymity. Yes. In anonymity is a lot of freedom to do whatever you want without people noticing or caring or getting in your way. Yeah, Yeah. it's both. It depends on if you're in the mood for that or if you, Mm -hmm. as we said, kind of tap out of that. And you're like, you know what? It'd be cool if somebody cared that. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, right. So. And I, and I will find myself being in both of those places in any given week, you know, like I went to a concert the other night by myself and I've never done that. But I've never gone to like a music concert by myself before a friend gave me tickets cause they couldn't go. And I was last minute, so I couldn't find anybody else. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go by myself. And it was so much fun. It was great. I stood kind of on the outskirts of the crowd. Cause I was a little like, well, we're still kind of in, we're still in a pandemic. I know they checked vaccine cards, but still. But I was like dancing. I was having a great time. But I could also have seen going and being like, oh, this would be so fun to have somebody else here. Like, why doesn't anybody care enough about me to want to go to this concert with me? Like, I have felt both of those ways in that kind of mm-hmm. situation. And and both of those are, are real feelings that come mm-hmm. along with being single in a big city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. This was such a good conversation. I could talk to you guys about this. <laughs> like literally for hours. So thank you for indulging me. It's just been so fun to talk to you about making a big life change and, you know, a little bit of a reinvention and seeking adventure and like plot twists and all the things. I just really, really loved it. I respect both of you so much and what you're doing on the internet and in the world. And it means so much. Can you tell listeners where they can find you if they want to follow you besides the show, which I will, I will link all of this in the show notes, everyone, but where can they find you if they want to follow you, Roxy, who never posts anything ever? (laughs) Well, I do post on Twitter more often. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Roxy, R-O-X-Y, Lee Stone, also on Instagram where I will strive to do better. And mostly I will think in my head, Laura will appreciate this post. I put something up. Please, please meet my expectations, Roxy. Okay. (laughs) Caitlin, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter as well. I apologize in advance, but it is at Caitlin Beatty on Twitter as well as Instagram. And I think Facebook and I met 
I have a website where you can find some of my writing at caitlinbeatty.com. Wait, why are we apologizing in advance? Oh, I mean, this morning I posted like a recording of me doing karaoke, you know, but then sometimes I'll try to like burn it all down. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, it's a big emotional swing. <laughs> so, and I have probably offended a few people along the way. That's okay. Well, that's what Twitter is for. Actually, <laughs> It so. is. It's just for arguing. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys so, so much. This is super fun. Thank you so much for Thank having you for us. Having it was a blast. Yeah, it was wonderful. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember... This is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.